0: Alex Kane, CEO of Human Pixel, welcome to Apply AI. Thanks for having me. So, you've got this incredible strap line putting humans at the center of technology. I love it. But before all of that, what is Human Pixel? And then, once you've explained that, how, how do you achieve that goal? Wow, good question. Um,
1: you know, Human Pixel is a software development house, right? Effectively at, at, at the base again. Um, It came together several years ago when my partner Adam and I sat down and thought, what can we do that's a little bit different? We've both been in technology for many years. Um, We wanted to build stuff. We wanted to be innovative, creative, but we wanted to do it differently. We wanted to definitely make a difference. Um, And, really trying to follow through on authenticity. Um, we hear so many horror stories of people who go to get stuff built, um, and it, it's never what it turns out to be, what yes. they thought it was gonna be. It's painful <laughs> yeah. often. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from the mismatch or the disconnect between the supplier and the customer. Um, so we set out to try and um, be real with our customers and set real objectives. And also challenge our customers and say, you know, I hear what you're saying. This is what you'd like, but have you thought about this? Yeah. Um, you know, so we, we, we want to be an advisor to them and not just a supplier of services. And that, that means putting ourselves in their shoes. So effectively, the human in human, there's lots of pixel pixel companies, right? Um, so the human in human pixel really means putting ourselves in our customers' shoes and really understanding what's important to them and being able to deliver that.
0: Yep. And does that mean you go um, slower with a customer? I mean, or does that mean you get better alignment?
1: Yeah, look, it's, I don't know about slow. I don't think customers want us to go slower on their project. Um, but it, it is definitely about understanding where they're coming from and not having a one-size-fits-all approach. So some customers are very techie and they just want us to get the job done. Yeah, And others really need a lot of hand-holding and they need to understand, well, how does the process work? What are realistic expectations? What is this going to mean? And does it mean that once it's built, They will come? No. You know, we talk about what are the future processes that need to happen as well, because we need to be realistic. A lot of people think, well, if you build my CRM or you build this, all of a sudden my life is different. Um, And we we have to explain that this is part of a process, this is a tool, but you also may need to make some changes
0: in the organisation culturally. Yes, well, I have an approach to um, software development which may or may not resonate. So tell me if this is is, uh, on track or not. It's called the uh, the MEN principle. So once you have some software, you're into this MEN principle. You have to maintain your existing software. That's the M, and that's the bulk of what happens once you've built it. You want to enhance with new features and functions. That's the the E. And then occasionally you go, we need to build some new stuff or we need to rebuild the whole thing. Um, and that generally is a project-based thing. It doesn't happen very often. Um, So once you've built it, you can't just put it on the shelf and hope that it's going to last for the next five years. You've got to invest more in it. Yeah. Uh,
1: Although I think some ladies might hope that you meant men's software in some other (laughs) capacity.
0: Yeah. So
1: some men might need an upgrade. But (laughs) I think think what we're talking about here is setting the realistic expectation that, you know, you build something, that's not the end of it. Um, And we talk about software in phases, We, you know, people will often come to us with a project and they think that that's it. Um, And, you know, there's a whole planning segment that has to happen before that. Um, We often get clients coming to us saying, look, I need this, and so can you build it on this? And we'll hear that. And if we were just order takers, we'd probably just go ahead and build it because it's, you know, they've said, here, just do this. But we'll often challenge that and go, well, yes, yes, but that might not be the best way to go forward. Um, and so it's about um, understanding where the customer's at. If they have the knowledge, then fine, don't challenge them. But if, if they think they have the knowledge, and oftentimes we have clients come to us who think they know what they need, it's really about exploding that out, pulling it apart and, and saying, well, what is the real problem here? don't come to me with a solution, come to me with a problem. Let us provide a solution for you. And if it marries up with what you think the solution is, great. And if not, let's explore what might be better possibly.
0: Yeah, it sounds like the better way to approach software development, but not, as you say, like what a lot of development houses actually have as their process. Yeah, and I think
1: we always try and bring it back to the problem. What are you really trying to solve here? You know, or sometimes it could be, what do you think you're trying to solve, but what are you actually trying to solve? Because we can build the perfect solution to the wrong problem, and that can just be a real
0: costly affair. <laughs> so, I've got a business, big business, small business, enterprise. Um, how hard is it for the different segments to apply software to to solve these problems? And is one. Um, is one sort of size of business an indicator of likely outcome and success? Um, it's definitely not a
1: one-size-fits-all. Um, and again, it's about understanding what each individual business needs. Um, you know, what what we try and do is align software to business process. You know, the software on its own isn't a magical fix. So if we understand what the problem is, um, let's say it's a CRM. We're really trying to understand what a business needs in its sales, you know, lead to sales conversion and ongoing support and follow-ups and automations, all that sort of stuff. We need to know what they need in the business. So I often tell them, don't even think about the technology. Tell me what you need to have happen in the business. Yes. When I understand that, then we can make recommendation. What's the best platform? What's the best way to achieve that? Yeah, yeah. And so it's often about, you know, a lot of people are, Googling everything and they come to us with a ready-made kind of idea of what they need. Um, And it's about untangling that and just saying, tell me the problem. Tell me what you need to have happen. Do you need more sales, more leads, more conversions? Tell us. And then let's design the solution for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't believe I haven't attacked some problems like that in the past that way. It's often been product-led
1: Yeah. And, you know, I I pride ourselves on the fact that we're fairly agnostic when it comes to technology stacks. So it's not about trying to push something because that's the vendor we represent. It's really about understanding the problem, doing the real consultation. Um, And we'll often start off with a discovery workshop. And it's all about just understanding the client problem. Um, and then mapping out what that might look like in terms of a process that's required. Then we take that away and formulate what the solution looks like. So we never talk about the solution first up. It's it's about understanding, you know, what's needed first. So let's get
0: into a bit of domain expertise, if I could. So you've got, you know, uh, different areas you work within. Obviously, the software development, you've mentioned CRM. Uh, there's website and business improvement. And there's also AI. So let's go into the AI. What does that look like for the uninitiated?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's a term that's being bandied around a lot now, and it will continue to be bandied around a lot. Um, and AI probably means different things to different segments in the market. Um, AI for a small business might mean a chatbot or something on their hairdressing website or on their Facebook page just to have an interaction. Uh, larger business, it might be about machine learning and large data sets um, and being able to create um, algorithms from those. So really, all we're saying is that we're trying to automate um, logic. That's really all we're saying it is. Um, so smaller businesses, they can now go on to Messenger, set up a Messenger bot on their Facebook page and have some very basic things like, you know, have a booking, you know, here's our address, here's the hours that we're open, very simple kind of stuff. And that you can do fairly um, cheaply. Um, if you want something further, which is not just a multiple choice kind of bot, um, where it is free text, then we need to start talking about intense. Uh, we need to start talking about the different ways that the same question can be phrased so there's a lot more depth involved there um, but it's really about targeting what is needed in that particular business at that level
0: of that segment and is the is the outcome then for a particular business of a different size different or to me is it you know you mentioned automation so it's about uh, saving time and money but I suspect it's also about getting more customers or being liked more by your customers or just interacting with the customer at a time where you're asleep.
1: Yeah, and look, we've got clients, we've built our own chatbot platform and effectively some of our clients have enabled the chatbot to be able to field inquiries outside of normal business hours. So it's there to assist during business hours and reduce the amount of contact coming through to the contact centre. Uh, but it also fields probably about half as many calls after hours uh, which were not going anywhere normally. So uh, in terms of efficiencies, productivity, and be able to have a higher conversion rate, that's when it's coming into its own for some of those businesses.
0: And also, I guess, um, you know, so the person leaves their details, someone will follow them up. There's someone at some point that has a human point of contact whilst they might, might have gone off and Googled a range of other competitors, there's still someone who's left their details, you can call them and still try and win that customer. If you didn't have that chatbot, they've just gone off and Googled and never left their details.
1: Correct. And, yeah. and depending on how advanced the chatbot is, the, the bot can actually handle the sales process. So it's not about just leave your details and contact us. It's about, okay, let's facilitate this. Let's show you information that's likely to convert you there and then. Um, you know, a lot of businesses want to do automation as much as possible. The same reason that, you know, they don't put phone numbers on websites anymore. You're going to go online purely. So I think the next step is then to provide a level of automation and a way for people to engage at any time of the day. You know, the, the web is 24 seven and people now like to sit in their bed at night on a laptop or an iPad and just do their research or book a trip or something. Now, it's expensive for a small business, in particular, to have staff there just to answer calls Absolutely. at any time of the day. Yeah, yeah. So, being able to automate that process and then go deep into your systems to be able to retrieve booking details, you know, via APIs or whatever it is, um, then becomes really useful.
0: Yeah. Okay. So now let's take a step up the value chain to a larger business. Um, and not to say there's more value in the larger business, but there might be more data, so more complexity. Mm -hmm. What does that look like then from a chatbot, let's stick with that, into the data sources? Are you now looking at data-driven insights from these data sources? What my customer looks like because I've got more interactions? What's that next level?
1: So particularly from a uh, sales or marketing point of view, you want to be able to pull data from multiple touch points aggregate that data and then be able to apply some logic uh, and algorithms to it to then make some assumptions and then take further actions. So you're really automating the process of not just pulling in the data, not just reading the data, but then taking further steps that either, you know, provide support or close a sale or whatever it is. Flag
0: it in a CRM as someone who needs a call to close and
1: well, yeah. that's a, that's an easy one. <laughs> but, but, you know, big data where there are large data sets um, and you're trying to make assumptions based on, um, you know, uh, information that may have happened across, as I say, multiple touch points, A, you need to create the right formulas where the logic makes sense. So th- th- there's usually some human intervention at the beginning to design what
0: that's going to look like. But then the heavy lifting is done by the AI. Yeah, okay. And so it sounds to me like this is kind of glue between uh, a lot of different stages within a business or different silos, if you like, of, of the business. Um, where does the machine learning come in that it goes, okay, now I understand more about your business. I can get better at this. Uh,
1: look, I if I was trying to explain machine learning to someone, I'd say, if you've ever bought a brand new car, modern car these days, they're,
0: they're impossible to understand. Right.
1: They are. But what they do is they learn your driving behavior. Yeah. And right. based on the way you drive that car in the first few days, weeks, months, it then sets up a style of driving for the future. Yeah. So it says, well, I don't, I'm not a lead foot. So, run this way, run more economically. And so yeah. it, it's taken the data and it keeps learning and changing based on those data set. That is a very simplified way of understanding machine learning where that information is then applied to how it how it continues to run.
0: Yeah, no, that's actually funny. The exact phrase got used to me when I bought my new car and I complained to the dealer a couple of weeks later and I said, that the gearbox is really notchy. And he goes, are you a lead foot? And I said, nah, nah, of course not. And he goes, yeah, no, you are. You've thrashed the car. I said, how do you know? He goes, well, you've got a high ratio gear shift. And that's learned that from him. like, There's nowhere to hide anymore. Yeah, that's right. Um, anyway, I'm a lead foot. <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> Kids, don't drive fast. How do you measure for a customer with something that's, you know, might take a bit of while to collect this data? Uh, How do you measure the return on investment for a customer and how do they know I should invest in it when that return on investment proposition might not be clear straight away? Well, I think that's part of what we need to do
1: when we're consulting, right? So it's about understanding what is the problem. Then we can work out what is the cost to solve the problem and then we can determine what the ROI will be on that. Um, You know, AI can be inexpensive, can be very expensive. Um, Again, I try and relate it back to, it's not the cost that's important here, it is the ROI, you know. So um, if you're able through AI to maybe reduce your um, workforce, you know, you might be able to transition people into other higher value tasks, and have AI and automation take care of those sorts of things. Well, then you can start to see ROI very easily because it's based on, well, how many wages can we, you know, subsidise here? Um, It's harder to do it when it's more of a qualitative thing. You know, you might get better customer satisfaction. You might have more improved staff morale because the system's easier to use. That can be harder to measure. But I think it's really important that you are able to measure whatever it is that gets implemented because otherwise you're shooting in the dark if you don't.
0: And obviously more sales is something that everyone wants to achieve um, and that can also be difficult to quantify.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I think, look, sales is, is easier because I guess you're either getting more sales or you're not once it's implemented, predicting what it's going to do is based on some assumptions, based on historical data, other references that you can look at who have done a similar thing. So you try and find those references that will support the argument. Uh, But at the end of the day, every business is different. And once it's implemented, you know some businesses may not follow through on the things that they need to do. So one of the things that we do with chatbots, we don't just roll out a chatbot that we've built to answer certain questions and that's it. There will be questions that get asked of it that it doesn't know the answer to. We call that an incomprehension. So when it discovers an incomprehension, the important thing to do is to fix that so that the next time that question's asked, it's improved and it knows the answer. So it should be an ongoing improvement experience
0: so that it just gets better and better. You said in there a lot of businesses are different. So what is your ideal business looks like? Where's your sweet spot where you can put something in that's got a demonstrable improvement for the customer?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Because businesses are very different in their different segments, we can add value to a small business very easily. Um, We can do the same for a larger business, it's just on a much bigger scale. And the solution may be quite different. Um, for us, uh, you know, the upper end of SME, starting to be enterprise, is probably our sweet spot. A large middle. Yeah, a large middle. Sounds like my, uh, <laughs> my weight at the moment. Um, but uh, it really is about um, formulating a solution. It's really about understanding the problem. I keep getting back to that. Because if you can't define the problem, then the solution may be hit or miss. Um, so it's knowing what we're trying to solve. And, you know, AI may not even be the best solution, uh, even if the customer comes to us thinking it's an AI project. It might just be an automation project that can be done in a CRM very easily. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, we, have, we have websites that we build that, based on who's been to the website previously, and if you've viewed this page, dynamically show this content. Even if it's the same page you saw last time, serve up different content this time to the same user on the same page. So it's based on using, I guess you can call it AI, to understand this person, if they've visited this product page and this product page, then they're likely, based on historical data, to want to buy this product. So serve up data that's contextual to them at that particular point in time.
0: Dynamic content delivery. Yeah. 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 Well, listen, I mean, you've explained a lot of the topics really beautifully. Um, Thanks for coming in and talking about Human Pixel uh, to us at Apply AI. What's the best way, if anyone's interested, to uh, get in contact? Sure. Look, come and see us at
1: humanpixel.com.au. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn. You'll find us any which way. Um, fill out the Start the Conversation form and we'd love to help you out with whatever project you may have.
0: Brilliant, Alex. Thank you very much for coming in. Thanks a lot, Tony.